So I keep referring to the, the, the words that God has been speaking to me. I can see if I can find it. Might be in, oh, here it is. I keep referring to this, so it keeps finding a, a new spot in my stuff. But the title here is for Cindy. It says, Healing and Health Declarations, Summer of 2020. So these are declarations that I've been meditating on through this summer season. And as I've been meditating on them, God has just been deepening them and deepening a lot of these scriptures in my heart. And in the midst of this, he spoke to me about this piece of redemption called deliverance or being delivered. And as I've been meditating on these, it's just been getting deeper and deeper in my heart. And I wrote on my notes, message, delivered. In other words, God was saying, okay, take this and go deeper and share it. So that's where this message came from, was my meditation on these healing declarations. So I'm really excited to share this. I shared it last night, and oh my goodness, Holy Spirit just anointed it so very powerfully. So I'm expecting even more tonight. So I'm going to start out with sharing a beautiful psalm declaring Jesus as our deliverer, declaring the Lord as our deliverer. So I'm going to read it first, and I just want you to enter in as if it is a prayer, because it is. God's word is prayer. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this word. Father, may this word rise up in our souls. And Father, your, your promise, your psalm, declares who you are. But this is a psalm that, for me, it just blesses me. When I declare this psalm, when I declare who he is, my strength, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, it just builds me up inside. I feel like I'm getting a, a booster shot of, 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 of um, uh, energy. Holy Spirit, power and energy for whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that I need. But then at the very end, it says, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Because we have a deliverer. In this message, I am going to talk about two distinct pieces of deliverance. I'm going to be, I'm going to be sharing about what we've been delivered from and then what we've been delivered for. So let's start with what we've been delivered from. And I'm just starting to delve into this, this powerful piece of our redemption. So I'm just going to share a few scriptures that have really been ministering to me. Here's the first one. Galatians 1, verses 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will 
of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So this is the opening to the book of Galatians. And the Apostle Paul is, is blessing the people with this, this um, powerful word of grace and peace. But the peace that I wanted to, the, the part that I wanted to just point out is that he's declaring Jesus as our deliverer. Jesus is the one who came to deliver us from this present evil age. This was written 2,000 and some years ago. And as I'm reading and meditating on this and looking at what's going on in our world around us with the pandemic, the worldwide pandemic, with the riots, with the political unrest, with everything that we're hearing and reading on the news and social media and everything else that is so rampant and is feeding fear and fueling fear across this world. This is truth, that Jesus is our deliverer and he is here right now to deliver us from this present evil age. And it's the will of God. This scripture literally says, according to the will of our God and Father. The way that Jesus delivered us, the one piece that Jesus did that purchased all of our redemption was the shedding of his blood and the forgiveness of our sins. And this scripture refers to that. He gave himself for our sins so that we could be delivered from this present evil age. Here's another scripture. This is the one scripture that has um, been a piece of my testimony of salvation and the, the fulfillment of my salvation day after day after day my whole life long since February the 19th, 2002. Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all our sins are canceled out and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Amen. As we worshiped God at the beginning of this session with the song Deliverance, we've been moved from death to life We've been translated from darkness to light. I love this word. We have been translated not just out of darkness and into light, but the reason that we've been translated from dark to light is because we used to be under the oppression of the enemy. We used to be under the tyrannical rule of the kingdom of darkness. But we aren't anymore. If we've received our salvation which was paid for through Jesus. If we've received our salvation paid through, for, through Jesus, we know are no longer under the tyrannical rule of the kingdom of darkness. We are now in the kingdom of God, in the realm of the kingdom of God because of what Jesus did for us. For in the Son, all our sins are canceled out and we have the release of redemption the release of redemption. So the door is open for redemption to come from heaven to earth. The way has been made 
It is the potential for every single human being. But it's only ours when we accept it. Listen to what the word redemption means. To be redeemed means to be ransomed. It means payment of a price to be recovered from another. Think about what Jesus did for us. He paid the price in full for us to be recovered from the power of the enemy, from the tyrannical rule of the kingdom of darkness. The word redemption means to be liberated, to be freed. The word redemption means to be, del to be delivered from the bondage of sin, to be delivered from the penalty of sin, the judgment of sin, to be delivered from the liability of sin. Liability means to be legally responsible for the payment or the judgment of sin. Before we were redeemed, we were liable. We were responsible for the payment of our sin. And the payment of sin was death. We've been redeemed from death to life, from darkness to light. The word redemption means we have been delivered from the possession of another. Is that good news? Amen. Romans 8, 2. I shared this scripture a couple of weeks ago. Let me read it first, and then I'm going to review a little bit of what we talked about. God, I just speak the power of the Holy Spirit bringing this word to life in everyone's, everyone's heart right now, right here, for you people that are here and also as it goes out on the internet. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being has set you free from the law of sin and death. A few weeks ago, I shared a story about John G. Lake. John G. Lake was a healing evangelist, probably one of the most powerful healing evangelists of all times. He literally cleared out hospitals in Seattle. Hospitals were closed because his healing ministry was so powerful that everyone was going to the healing rooms, getting healed and not going to the hospitals amazing general of faith. I have an amazing book that Jenny recommended to me that I love. It's called Generals of, generals of Faith. It has the word generals in it. Anyway, it's a powerful book. And there's one section about John G. Lake. Oh, there's, it's a powerful book. You've got the book. It's good. Invest in that book. It's a great book. But anyway, um, John G. Lake, at one point, he went on a missions um, trip, a long missions trip to Africa. And while he was there, the bubonic plague broke out. And people were um, dying of the bubonic plague. And he was there helping, praying, taking care of them. A lot of people did die. But he didn't get sick. Now, remember, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now, right? Here and now. So we can relate to this story. When the medical people and the scientists saw that he wasn't getting sick, they were asking him, how are you protecting yourself? He said, this is how I'm protecting myself. He gave him this scripture, this word right here. 
For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of my new being, has set me free from the law of sin and death. I don't live under the law of sin and death. I've been set free from that. I live under the law of the spirit of life. He understood. He had revelation of this truth. Let's look at the revelation. Let's look at some more, more explanation. First of all, there's the word law twice in the scripture. A law um, is, consists of something that always works. A law is something that always works. But if a higher law is introduced into the situation, the higher law can override and stop the first law from working. Let me give you an easy example. The law of gravity. The law of gravity always works. If I drop a book right now, gravity will cause it to fall. If I stand high on something and jump off, I'm going to fall. That's the law of gravity, and it always works. Unless the law of aerodynamics supersedes it. The law of aerodynamics is a higher law. With the law of aerodynamics, we can have a jet plane filled with 300 people and all their luggage take off, fly across the country, and land on the other side of the country. It doesn't fall to the ground. It does, the law of gravity is no longer of any effect because the law of aerodynamics supersedes it. That's what has happened with the law of the spirit of life, with the new covenant of grace and our redemption. The old law, for those who believe, is no longer powerful. It is superseded by the new law. So let's look at those two laws. The law of sin and death, the first law, is came into, into play when um, Adam and Eve it began, because of the, their, their um, sin, began the fall of man, and the enemy was given control. It enabled, the law of sin and death enabled the enemy to rule over lost humanity, and there was nothing we could do to override the law to be free from the tyranny. Until Jesus, until Jesus and the sacrifice of his blood changed it, there was nothing we could do. It was like the law of gravity. Everyone was under the oppression of the enemy. Everyone was under the law of sin that led to death. But God so loved us that he chose to introduce a higher law, a higher power, a higher force into our situation that had the potential to override and supersede the law connecting us to the kingdom of darkness. The law was the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and it goes into operation in our life when we receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Through this law, we can enjoy every part of redemption, forgiveness, reconciliation unto our Father going in always, at any moment, right into the right to the throne of his grace. Because of the law of the spirit of life, we have the fullness of life, the completeness of life that Jesus came to give us. And healing is part of it. 
because of the law of the spirit of life, we have the opportunity to walk with divine healing and divine health and divine life. Because of the law of the spirit of life, we have eternal life forever with God, forever united with him, forever in communion with him because of the law of the spirit of life. But this is, it's the potential, but it's only actual. Each part of our redemption is only ours when we know it, when we believe it, when we receive it. We have been delivered. We have been delivered from the law of sin and death. But if you don't believe it and receive it, you can still live under the law of sin and death. Even as a born-again child of God. John G. Lake knew this truth. When those medical people came to him and said, how? How can you keep from getting the bubonic plague? He said, because this law of the spirit of life works for me. And he says, I'll prove it to you. They took the, the cells from the plague, from the bubonic plague. They took the disease cells. They put them on a microscope, and those cells were alive. They were moving. They were alive. And they continued to live while they were on the slide under the microscope. Then he put them on his hand, put his hand under the microscope, and they could see the disease cells, the viral cells, dying on contact. That is you. That is me. Should we choose to let this word come alive in our heart, believe it and receive it? I want to be a woman who lives under the law of the spirit of life, knowing that I've been set free from the law of sin and death. I have been delivered. That's what set free means. I have been delivered out of the old law and into the new. There's a higher law in my life. I believe we need to continuously meditate on this. It's not just a head knowledge like Jenny said. It's, it's something that needs to be fresh and new. Every season that we're in, every time that we have a need, right now our specific need is COVID-19. But your specific need might be another need, another area. We can apply this to whatever area is in our life, our specific life, our specific need. The next scripture I want to read is, is the reason I want to share it is because I want to show you, according to scripture, that deliverance is for us, for every season, for every need in our life. Jesus purchased it once and for all. He purchased healing once and for all. I was healed of cancer 18 years ago, but we may have another need at another time. And that piece of redemption, healing, is still mine but I need to receive it, believe it, and receive it for each event in my life. And the same is true of being delivered out of the dominion of the enemy and into freedom. Now, Jesus has completely defeated the enemy, but if we allow the enemy power, he only has power when we give it to him. So we need to constantly say, oh, no, enemy, I have been delivered out of your oppression. I've been delivered out of your tyranny. And I step outside of that and into this freedom that God has given to me. So let's look at a scripture where this actually took place. This is 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 11. 
This is the Apostle Paul. He's in the church of Corinth, and he's talking about the situation that he's in the midst of. He says, brothers and sisters, you need to know about the severe trials that we experienced when we were in Western Turkey. All of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure. And we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. Now let's stop for a second. That could be situations in our life. We could be in a position where it seems like, you know, we're in the middle of a really uh, difficult time of persecution, trial, tribulation, stuff going on in our life. The Apostle Paul was. The Apostle Paul was a man who, whose heart was so given over to Jesus that it was everything, his whole life was Jesus. He was walking with the apostles who had walked with Jesus. And yet he lived through all sorts of hardships. But the next line is where everything changes. Actually, it's another scripture later. Excuse me. It felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts. And we still feel it to this day. But here's the line. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in the God who raises the dead. So here Paul was in this situation where everything was going wrong. And what does he say? He says, this is what it taught me. It taught me to not look at myself, to not put my faith in myself, to not lean on my own understandings, but instead to look to Jesus and put my trust in him and only in him. Would you go to the next slide? He has rescued us from terrifying encounters with death. And now we fasten our hopes on him to continue to deliver us from death yet again as you labor together with us through prayer. Because there are so many interceding for us, our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God. What a gracious gift of mercy surrounds us because of your prayers. So Paul says, God rescued us, and I'm believing. He's going to continue to rescue us as, as the needs arise. And then he says, because of your prayers, because of your intercession, deliverance is happening. Our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God. So here we are. This is a healing meeting. This is a healing school. This is where we come together to stand in agreement for one another. Sometimes you call us on the phone during the week. That's what we're doing. We're interceding together, believing that you're delivered out of darkness into the light, believing that you're delivered out of sickness and into healing, believing that you're, you've been delivered, Jesus already did the work, out of pain and into freedom from pain, whatever it is. And our prayers are prayers of deliverance, and they're powerful, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. Jesus is the deliverer. We're coming into agreement with him and getting our souls aligned with what's already been purchased for us. So the bottom line, before I move to the next section, the bottom line is that we have been delivered out of the power, out of the dominion of the enemy. Our roles have been reversed. We are no longer under the curse. 
the curse has been reversed. I love that. The curse has been reversed. The enemy had power over us. The curse was in effect because of sin. But when Jesus destroyed sin, he also destroyed the curse. Galatians 3.13 says that he became the curse for us. It says that he carried the curse. It says because the scripture says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus hung on a tree. When Jesus destroyed sin, the curse was abolished. The only reason the curse was in place was because of sin. This is old covenant. This is the lower law. But when grace, the, the covenant of grace was established, a higher law, the law of the spirit of life, came into being. So should we choose to believe it and accept it, we can walk in freedom from the curse. And now we have dominion over the enemy instead of him having dominion over us. Amen. So we've been delivered from the power of the enemy, from the power of darkness. Here's part two. We were not only delivered from the power of the enemy. We were also delivered for a purpose, for a role, for a reason. We have been commissioned with the same authority, with the same power that Jesus walked in on this earth. Jesus said, you will do even greater things than I've done. We have a role to play. When Jesus walked on this earth, I see his mission as twofold. His mission was to destroy the works of darkness and to advance the kingdom of God. To, so destroy the kingdom of darkness and to advance the kingdom of God. So the next scriptures that I want to share with you show us beautiful tools that God has given us to walk out of that thing of being overwhelmed with darkness or with the power of the enemy, because huh? we've been delivered, and how to step into that place of living out our role of, of enforcing the defeat of the enemy and advancing the kingdom of God. Here's my first scripture, Romans 8. Oh, this is so good. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. So now fill in the blank with what's going on in your life. Pain, sickness, diagnoses, situations in your home, situations with your children, COVID-19, political yuck, whatever it is, the truth is that nothing can come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, or death threats? Well, that's what we're hearing right now. We're hearing what's going on in the world, the riots, the 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 condemnation over certain groups of people 
to the point where you're almost fearful to express yourself. So the question is, what about those things? Will they come between us and heaven's love? The answer is no. Listen to this. For they are impotent to hinder omnipotent love. That's a line that I just love to repeat over and over. All that stuff, God. And I just, I just start pouring out my heart. All of these things that are in my life and in this situation that we're living in in the world right now. And I say, God, it doesn't matter. All of those things are impotent to hinder your omnipotent love. And then listen to this. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So here the first thing he does is he talks about his love, his amazing love, his omnipotent love, no matter what. No matter what you're walking through, no matter what it looks like. His omnipotent love is perfect. And then it tells us the power. So we've been delivered from all the yuck. And then the power is that with his omnipotent love, we triumph over everything. We are victorious. God has made us to be more than conquerors. That word more than conquerors, it's, it's um, translated into three English words, more than conquerors. It's such a big word. They, could, they had to use three English words to translate it. The Greek word is, let me look it up in my notes, hypernikeo, hypernikeo. It literally means a glorious hyper victory. Is that good? God has made us to be more than conquerors. We have a glorious hyper victory, more than can be described or contained in one word. God's love and grace has made us hyper conquerors, empowered to be unrivaled, more than a match for any foe. So we've been delivered from the power of the enemy, but not only have we been delivered, we have been made victorious through his demonstrated love through the power of his demonstrated love. When he defeated sin and he said, not guilty, you're acquitted. When he said, come into my presence, there's no more barrier. When he said, you now have my authority and my power because of the price that he paid, because of his demonstrated love, he made the way for us to be more than conquerors. We were delivered from darkness and we were delivered into victory to be more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The next scripture that I want to share is from Ephesians chapter 6. This is the scripture about the armor of God. I haven't shared the scripture in years. And as this is one I'm using right now in my meditations. And as I've been meditating on it, it's like, God, you've given us everything. You delivered us from the enemy. And now you've given us everything to enforce the defeat. You delivered us from him. And now you've delivered us for a very important purpose. So let's look at what he's given us. 
Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. Listen to this. Receive this right now for you individually. Now, my beloved ones, I've saved these most important truths for last. I want to pay attention. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. We've been delivered from the enemy, and we have the potential now for this miracle-working power, this explosive power. That's the word dunamis, the miracle-working power of God, but it comes through life union with Jesus. We're infused with strength. But I'm not infused with strength if I'm sitting in my house watching game shows with my Bible on a shelf. I'm infused with strength. I'm supernaturally infused when I am in life union day in, day out, every day with Jesus Christ. That's when the miracle working power has power in me. So the word dunamis is, has the same root word as the word dynamite. Kent told me this a long time ago. We were talking about this word. And this is, this is the way dynamite works. If I were to take dynamite and put it out in the middle of the parking lot, the church parking lot, and light it, it would be very loud. It would make a great big boom. But it wouldn't do that much destruction. There would probably be a hole in the parking lot. But it wouldn't do extensive, extensive destruction because it's kind of out in the open. But if that same dynamite was put in the middle of the foundation of this building, and if it was lit and exploded, the building would be destroyed. The destruction would be huge. That's what the dunamis power of God is like. When that dunamis power is in the midst of our situation, in the midst of the trials, the tribulations, the pain, the fear, the anxiety, everything that seems to be pressing us in and maybe even holding us in bondage, when we allow the victorious, explosive power of God through our life union with Jesus, everything can be exploded and removed from you with that miracle-working power of God. But in order for that to happen, we need to be in life union with Jesus and allow that word to do its work. And this is God's word for us. This is the way for that miracle-working power to take effect. Verse 11 Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Pay attention to the word accuser. Keep that in the back of your mind for a minute. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realm. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. So the bottom line is here is we're not fighting against people, against flesh and blood, against um, situations with um, our spouse or our, um, our, our 
situation with our family or even the doctor or even political sides. That's not what we're fighting against. We're fighting against the demonic realm. But listen to this, verse 13. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. Why? Because you're destined for all things and will rise victorious. God says you need the armor. You need the armor for that explosive power to help you, to be there with you. I'm giving you the strategies. I'm giving you the tools. But you will rise victorious and step into what you're destined for. I want to go back to that word, slanderer and accuser. Slanderer and accuser. A slanderer is one who makes false or damaging statements about someone. Lies. Lies about your true identity in Christ. Lies about who you are and what you have as a daughter or a son of God. Facts that are subservient to truth. We talked about that last week. Facts. Where those things get so big in you. That's the slanderer. That's the accuser. But here's the good news. Jesus has stripped the enemy of his power to accuse you. The only power he has is when we don't know it and we let him accuse us. We let him feed us the lies. We let him put the burden on us and we carry it thinking that's what we're supposed to do when Jesus already carried it for us. So this is what the word says that we need to do. He talks about the armor of God. Now the first several pieces of armor are all defensive. They are all protective. God loves us so much. He's given us the tools to protect us. The first one, he says, is to put truth on as a belt when you stand, or to strengthen you, to stand in triumph. When we were talking over the last several weeks about possessing the land, we talked about the importance of possessing the truth. We need to be surrounded by the truth, surrounded front, back, top, bottom, in our homes, in our churches, in our neighborhoods. We need to walk in the truth, surrounded by the truth. Last week we talked about the importance of going to a doctor, going to a test with the truth between you and that MRI between you and the documentation of the diagnosis, between you and the doctor who's giving you the result. We need to be surrounded with the truth. That's why God says, put it on like a belt. Surround yourself with the truth. The next armor, piece of armor, says, put on holiness as a protective armor that covers your heart. In the, in the New King James, it uses the word righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. We are righteous. We have been made righteous and holy. That, oh, that gift, it is a gift. We didn't earn it. We can't deserve it, but Jesus purchased us it for us. Our righteousness in our heart protects us when those lies come at us, when those lies that say, no, no, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're, you're, um, insufficient. You're, you're not good enough for that, Cindy. You're not good enough for that, Kim. When those lies come in our heart, we need to pr be protected with the truth. 
with the shield, with the breastplate that says, oh no, I am righteous. That the vital organs within me are protected from the slanderer, my soul, my emotions, my, my inner person, my, my heart, my mind. I need protection. I am the righteousness of Christ through the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of, of peace, the gospel of peace. This is one of the things we have been delivered for. So that as we walk out, as we walk in, even in the midst of our trial, we can walk sharing the gospel of peace. Showing people we're walking with, in peace through this. Walking in peace through the pandemic, not in fear. I love, I've seen signs that say faith over fear posted in people's lawns. I love it. Walking in faith, not fear. Walking in peace, not anxiety. And as we walk it out, we are, we are um, manifesting Jesus. We are sharing the gospel. We are being living epistles. The next piece of armor. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield. For it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. The shield of faith. The shield of faith. I remember in my journey many years ago, when I was before I had received healing of cancer, I remember one particular time when this came alive. I had been meditating on the promises of God. I'd been declaring the promises. I'd been feeding my heart, feeding my soul. What I didn't realize was that I was putting on this piece of armor. I was building up the shield of faith. The scripture says faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing the word of God. And I had been just speaking the word of God out loud constantly. And this one particular day, I had an MRI, not an MRI, I had a PET scan. Before I went to that PET scan, I had two specific prayer requests. One was for a good report. See, this is before I knew the importance of walking in with truth between me and the report. I wanted the report to say healed. And I was also asking God for wisdom. But when I went in for that PET scan, I didn't get a good report. I got a bad report. And I remember the first thing that happened was the enemy attempted to completely twist the insides of my gut with fear and with confusion and with that feeling that I could barely breathe. But then the shield of faith that I had been feeding my heart with, the faith protected me. And God literally started to come through. The prayer for wisdom started to enlighten me. And I had different questions and different ways to talk to the doctor than, than I would have been able to do. It was Holy Spirit. He gave me the way to talk and ask questions to the point where I walked out of there with a belief that my report was good, that this PET scan was a better report than my prior PET scan. I won't go into the details about how I believed that, how I saw that on the scan, but that's what I walked out. So when I walked out, because of the shield of faith, the darts were coming, the darts of the enemy were trying to get in there, but the shield of faith deflected them. 
And instead of walking out shipwrecked, I walk out believing with all my heart that the degree of cancer was less than it had been before. So I had a good report. And I had been given wisdom at that moment in time. And then when I got home, God confirmed it with a word. I had never read the scripture before because I was a brand new Christian. And I was every day when I read the Bible, it was the first time. And I read Philippians 1, verse 6, that said, Cindy, be confident of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. That word just came alive, settled my heart, blessed me beyond what I can tell you. I typed it up, put it on my refrigerator. I still have that piece of paper today. That word just spoke volumes to me. But the shield of faith, I believe, had kept the, the enemy's darts from finding their target. Here's the next piece of armor. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet, to protect your thoughts from lies. This is the helmet of salvation. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. We're talking about deliverance today. All that God has delivered us from. He's delivered us from, from sin. He's delivered us from sickness. He's delivered us from hell. He's delivered us from the power of the enemy. He's delivered us from fear, from anxiety. Embrace it so that we will be protected from lies, so that our thoughts, so that our mind will be protected from lies. Oh God, I pray right now that we embrace the gift of our full deliverance, salvations, all that so-so is, that we embrace it, that we know it, that it, it is just so big in our hearts that nothing, nothing, nothing can sway us to believe the lies of the enemy. Oh, thank you, God. May we embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. So all of these things we've talked about so far are defensive. The helmet of salvation, the boots of the, carrying the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. And then comes the offensive weapon, the one that takes the enemy down every time. Take the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. When we speak the word of God, the enemy is slaughtered. See your spear. See your sword of the spirit literally cutting him apart. But that's not all. When I read this, as I've been meditating on this, I have seen that there are three powerful prayers in the scripture. Three, not one, but three. This, this um, razor sharp or double-edged sword, actually what I've learned about this double-edged double sword, it's really a multifaceted sword. It has many edges, many, not, not two edges. It is many-edged. I, I wish I could tell you what I see in my mind, but it has sharp edge, sharp edge, sharp edge, sharp edge, all the way around like 20 of them, not just two. Well, here is what God says, three powerful ways to pray, and every one of them are a weapon, a part of that multifaceted sword. The first one is the spoken word of God. The second one is praying passionately in the spirit. 
praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, a powerful weapon of warfare. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede. We're interceding for others and for ourselves as we pray in the spirit. As you intercede with every form of prayer at all times. And praying in the spirit is one of the forms of prayer. And the third one is the prayer of blessing. Pray blessings. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. The prayer of blessing, another powerful weapon. We can pray it over our own bodies. We can pray it over others. We can pray it over situations. We can pray the prayer of blessing over our children. We can pray the prayer of blessing over the government, over the, the election. We can pray the prayer of blessing specifically over a body part. Back, I'm speaking to you. Lord, bless this back with complete strength. Lord, bless me, whatever it is. Lord, bless it. Pastor Tim has taught on the powerful prayer of the blessing. So have I. Three powerful ways to pray, which are offensive weapons against the enemy. So we're talking about being delivered from the enemy and be delivered for victory and carrying out the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom of God and destroying the kingdom of darkness. Here's another scripture. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. The word of God is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its inherent supernatural power in those of faith. We're talking about being delivered for a reason. God says in this scripture that his word is effectual. His word is alive and it's effectual. So we've been delivered out of the power of the enemy. And now, with his word, when we speak his word, when we are in faith, it says it's at work in you who believe. It says that we have this inherent supernatural power in those of faith. That word isn't powerful if we don't believe it. We don't have to understand it to believe it. But as we choose to believe God's word and we exalt his word and his truth over the facts, it comes alive. It becomes operative and powerful. This is in your notes. Speak from your mouth what the word says, not what you feel. Feed your faith and starve unbelief. Speak what the word says, not what you feel. Now I want to share with you what came alive in me this week. I want you to look at this word, and I'm going to connect this with the scripture in just a minute. The word is malignant. Kent's going to put it up there. Look at the word. The word malignant, we kind of know what it means. You don't like that diagnosis. Nobody wants that diagnosis. Because if, if you are diagnosed with a malignancy, it means that you have cells in your body that are cancerous, and they tend to produce death. Now, I'm not saying um, dying, your body completely dying, but those cells are trying to kill parts of your body. They literally grow out of control, take over, and wherever they are, they have the potential to kill, to destroy, to steal part of your body. Malignant. 
Now I want you to look at the next word that Kent's going to put up there. The word is malign. Notice, every one of those letters are in the word malignant. Now I want to define that word for you. Malign. To speak harmful untruths. To speak evil. When I saw that, it's, it shouted to me. So many of us are speaking the problem. Speaking evil. I'm being um, angry, contentious in the world right now. Disagreeing with one another and often with God in our words just by our attitude or our heart motives. We might be speaking specifically about the situation that is um, a diagnosis or a, you know, a, a pain or a diagnosis or a, uh, whatever's going on. And when we do, we are literally speaking cancerous. And it leads to death. It kills something. I don't want to do that. This scripture says the word of God is effectually at work in you who believe. But if we're speaking the other, if we're speaking the negative, it becomes operative and effectual in our lives. I want the word of God, the power, the love of God to be what is alive in my life. I don't want to malign. I don't want to speak evil, untruths. I don't want to speak death. So we have been delivered from the darkness and into the light. But this is a lifelong process. Jesus paid the price once and for all, but it is a lifelong process. And I'm going to share with you right now, this is a beautiful example. This is a Mary Magdalene. How many of you have watched The Chosen or part of The Chosen series? Anybody watched? Yeah. It's a series that's been um, available for us to view for free. They're, they're filming the second season right now. It is amazing. I highly recommend it. But what they've done is they've taken different characters from the Bible, and with their creative license, they have, they have shown us the lives of some of these characters, and one of them is Mary Magdalene. And there is a, a devotional that's been written called The Chosen, and it was gifted to me recently. And so I've been reading these devotionals, and they are so rich. And this, is one, this comes from one of those devotionals. But look at how Mary Magdalene lived through the deliverance of evil and into deliverance for a purpose. First of all, Mary Magdalene was delivered from seven demons. She was delivered out of the oppression of the enemy. Over the course of Jesus' three years of ministry, she was delivered from everything she thought she knew. Think about yourself. Think about me. First, I was delivered when I was saved. I was delivered out of the oppression of the enemy. And then, over, since then, I have been delivered from everything I thought I once knew. And so have you. We've been delivered out of man's ways, man's traditions, 
religion, legalism, things, situations with our identity, rejection, abandonment, feeling inadequate, and little by little by little, and this continues, I'm sure, a lifetime, we have been delivered from everything we once knew and delivered into truth. Mary went from being constantly tormented by darkness to being regularly enlightened by the light of the world himself. She spent three years of her life with Jesus' ministry, and this is biblical. We see Mary Magdalene was one of the followers of Jesus. And in many settings where it tells about Jesus, we also hear about the women, and Mary Magdalene was one of those women. So she went from being completely um, covered and buried in darkness to being enlightened and in the light. Because Jesus delivered her from death, she followed him to his death. Jesus was arrested. All the disciples scattered. But Mary Magdalene didn't. She found herself at the foot of the cross with the very woman who had delivered Jesus into this world. He was with, she was with Mary, the mother of Jesus. So Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and then on the third day, the same Mary, Mary Magdalene, went with a small group of women to Jesus' tomb. An angel spoke to Mary, an angel spoke to the women, this is scripture. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. So Mary was reminded after she saw him, after the angel spoke to her, she was reminded of what he had told her in Galilee. He told her, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. That's a part of the divine exchange. Jesus was delivered into the hands of evil so that we could be delivered out of the hands of the evil one. And then, after Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice, the resurrected Christ appeared first to Mary Magdalene. While standing in front of the open tomb, Jesus spoke to her, and he told her, Mary, it's your turn now. Mary Magdalene would be the very first person to deliver the single most important message to human in human history. He has risen. Mary Magdalene. It wasn't John the Baptist. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't one of the high priests or the, or the scribes. It wasn't Nicodemus. Mary Magdalene was the one to deliver that message, the first person 
to see the risen Christ and to deliver the message that he's risen. She was delivered from the demonic realm, and she was delivered for a role to carry the message of Christ. Wow. So on your notes at the very end of your paper, this is what I want you to do this week as you read back through these notes and, and meditate on them. I want you to think and, and talk to God about what you've been delivered from and what you've been delivered for. And every one of us, every one of us have been delivered for something or many things to, to advance God's kingdom. Many things, many ways to destroy the works of darkness. And I'm going to close now with a testimony. I'm going to stay up here because I want it to be filmed. This testimony is so powerful. I was reminded of this about a week ago. This happened a long, long time ago, but it's an amazing testimony. So I was saved in February of 2002. One year to the day later, there was a teacher at my school who was in the midst of a great, great trial. She was a woman who had a charismatic personality, full of joy, um, loved teaching, loved people, laughed and smiled all the time. But she had a super heavy burden on her heart because her son was a drug addict. He was a heroin addict. And over the year, from the time of my healing, my salvation and my healing, until one year later, Vicki and I became really close. And she, was, she told me about her son and how broken she was because of her son. She was so burdened. Her son at that time was homeless. He was a mess. He had been an addict for half of his life. He became a heroin addict when he was in high school, and at this time he was 30 years old. He was also um, into crime to pay for his um, addiction. And that day, one year after my salvation, February the 19th, 2003, when I was driving to school, God really put a, a burden on my heart to invite Vicki to pray for her salvation to pray to be delivered out of darkness and into the light. So before school, I got to school. First thing I did was I went and found her. She was a first grade teacher at that time. And I said, Vicki, everything changed when I gave my life to Jesus. I couldn't fix it, but God could. And when I gave my heart to him and gave him control, everything changed. Can I pray that prayer with you? Vicki and I had a lot in common because I had been brought up in the Catholic faith and so had Vicki. But when I told her, this is what I did, she said, yes, 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 I want that. So that morning I prayed with her to be delivered out of darkness into the light. She has the same birthday I have except one year later. Then she joined our teacher's prayer group. We had a group of about six or eight teachers that got together and prayed on a weekly basis. So we started coming into agreement and praying for this man, this young man. His name was Darren, Darren Weiss. We started praying for him. Um, we prayed from February until the school year ended, and then our, our prayer meeting went on hold until the next fall. And she asked us at the end of the year, she said, will you pray with me and agree with me for Darren to get arrested? Because I believe if he's in prison, he'll get dried out from heroin, and it will help him to, to turn his life around. So we agreed. That was a hard prayer to pray. But we prayed that he would be imprisoned, and he was. So she let us know during the summer, our prayer was answered. 
he is in prison so that he can get dried out. The next fall, he was released. When he was released, he went into the program at Grace Centers of Hope. He was required to go into that program in Pontiac for addicts to come out and get counseling. One of his good drug friends had gotten out of prison before him, was already in Grace Centers of Hope's program. He and Darren hooked up. Darren had planned to hook up with his buddy and get right back into the drug realm. But his friend had been saved. And his friend told Darren, Darren, you need Jesus. Jesus said, or I'm sorry, Darren said, you drank the Kool-Aid. What's wrong? What are you, a Bible thumper? No, 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 no. But his friend, who was a very good friend, spoke really boldly and said, Darren, you need deliverance. You need to be delivered. Jesus is your deliverer. He will deliver you from this. Because he really highly esteemed and, and loved this man, he listened to him. And that day at their prayer meeting, whatever that was, he gave his heart to Jesus. He chose to ask Jesus into his heart to be his deliverer, to be his savior, to be his Lord. And he was supernaturally delivered from the addiction, immediately delivered from the addiction of heroin. At that point, he, he stayed with Grace Centers of Hope. He fell head over heels in love with Jesus. He was radically saved, crazy radically saved. I remember when Vicki came and told me she was almost afraid to tell the teachers because she didn't know if it was going to stick. She said, oh, I'm so, I'm so hoping. She says, this is what happened, but I'm almost afraid to, to let my hopes get up that this is for him because she'd seen him for 15 years, you know, come out of drugs and then fall back in and come out and fall back in. So, um, but we said, oh, no, Jesus is the real thing. <laughs> this is real. He is delivered. So, um, after a few months, months went by, Darren came to our teacher's meeting. Oh, was that a good day. We were able to celebrate with him. He was in awe. He was just weeping, thanking us for the prayers, thanking us for the, the intercession. He stayed with Grace Centers of Hope. He went on staff with their counseling, and he was delivered from the darkness. He was delivered from the tyranny of the enemy. He was delivered from heroin, but he was delivered for a purpose. And he started to counsel other people coming through that same program. He rose up in that ministry and became a co-pastor with Pastor Clark. He not only became a co-pastor with Pastor Clark, he ended up falling in love with Pastor Clark's daughter, her name's April. They became engaged. My friend Vicki, the first day that after they came in, became engaged, came, found me, in tears, weeping. I mean, all of this good stuff is happening. And she said, Cindy, you are the first person that I came to tell that Darren and April are going to get married. And she said, you and the teachers are the first people on the guest list. So we went to the wedding, and this whole teacher's group, and at the wedding, I was determined that I wanted to pray a prayer of blessing over them. So you know how busy weddings are. All of the people and the bride and groom need to, you know, make the rounds and, and, and talk to everybody. 
But I went to Darren and I said, Darren, we really want to pray a prayer of blessing over you in April. And he said, that's first priority. He left his reception with April. We went into a private room. We surrounded them and we prayed a prayer of blessing over them. It's amazing to see the transformation in this man. Years late, years have passed. This was 18 years ago when all this happened. Years passed. Kent and I are in the car listening to the radio, and I'm hearing Darren preach because Pastor Clark has a radio show every day, and his son-in-law took that radio show on occasion, and I would be in the car listening to this boy that we prayed for, preaching his heart on fire for God. But that's not the end of the story. Darren, about five years ago, God put it on his heart to start a church of his own. He has birthed a church. The name of the church is Hope City. It's right on my corner, 23 Mile and Hayes Road. It, it's out of the Imagine Theater is where it's, where it's um, located. And his heart is to, to be that, that hope when people are walking in darkness, when everything is going wrong. He ministers to other people that have gone through addictions or other life-just-shattering events. His heart is to show them that there is hope in Jesus. I have sent so many people to Hope City, especially those with drug addictions, and I have seen numerous people delivered of addictions through Darren's ministry. That is an example of somebody who was delivered from the oppression of the enemy and delivered into the role that God had all set up for him. Is that amazing? Oh, praise you, Jesus. But that's for you. That's for me. God has delivered all of us from the oppression of the enemy. He's delivered us all into an amazing place to be his hands and his feet.